to Totalus Rankium. This week, Alexios 4. And welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalis Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to 20... No, <laughs> what? Oh, that all went very wrong, didn't it? I was going to say the, the number 20. Where does that even come into it? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, no, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine 11. And this is episode 153. Yeah, it is. It's Alexios 4 of the angels. This is uh, obviously the son of Isaac II, who we have seen, and the nephew of Alexios III, who we have just done an episode on. Splendid. Didn't end well the last episode, did it? No. Um, I think embarrassing was bad. Um, on Twitter, they said he was com- comparable to Jeff. So there we go. <laughs> yes, no, I saw that poll. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, we're recording this. We're actually getting ahead of the game. We're recording this before Alexios III's episodes even published. A, a Totalis ranking yeah. first. And that episode was so well received as well. I mean, the amount of applause we got, the awards. We got nominated for a <laughs> BAFTA, Rob. It was phenomenal. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which uh, all happens behind the scenes yeah. before we publish the episode, yeah. obviously. Of course. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, uh, so we've ended on a low. I essentially said at the end of the last episode, the Empire has fallen. Yeah. But it was a bit bit rushed at the end there, wasn't it? What, what on earth was going on? Why did the Crusading Army suddenly turn up? Well, why was Alexios for there? I- What's, what's going on? I don't on? know, I wasn't really listening. Well, don't worry, it wasn't that you weren't listening, I didn't explain it, Jamie. Well, that's good. But today, I will. So we're not going to start with Alexios 4. We are going to start instead, having a quick recap of Europe. The band or the continent? It was tempting to do the band, it really was. <laughs> uh, but I figured that's a rabbit hole we don't need to go probably down. Not. Um, <laughs> probably not. Probably <laughs> not. Uh, so let's let's look at what's going on in Europe at this point. Um, I'll get a map up so I know what's going on. Okay, you, you get a map up. Or you could just draw one. I would, but I haven't got a pen or pencil. I'm all digital now, I type and everything. Oh, all digital, okay, fair on enough. On a tablet and all sorts, yeah. Wow, okay. multi-screened. Y- yes. Um, so right. I've got a map of Europe, and I've, it's, I found one. It's very brightly coloured. Nice. And it's got Turkey on it, so I assume it'll do. Yeah, yeah, that, that will do. In fact, let's start there, shall we? Let's start with the Roman Empire, since we know that. I'm not going to go into detail here, because obviously that's what we've been covering. But just know, it is shrinking. It's shrinking fast. It's being led by weak emperors. Yes. Uh, essentially, the Roman Empire that you would just be colouring in with just one colour at this time is... Modern day Greece, yeah. sort of bits of modern day Turkey and Constantinople. That's that's not even an empire. That's just a patch of land. It really is just falling apart. They do, to be fair, have other areas that they would claim to be in control yeah. of, but uh, yeah. it's definitely a multicolored part yeah. of the empire. So, yeah, we're talking more up into the Bulgars and more into Anatolia there. Do you know? I never realised Turkey borders Iraq and Iran. That's never. Oh, did you I not? Did not know? No. Yeah, yeah, well, that, that's that's going into uh, the caliphate. Yeah. That's what that's doing in our time. Right? Armenia, Georgia, oh my goodness, it's insane. Yeah, yeah, it goes quite far across to modern-day Turkey, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Sorry, carry on. Mm. Ah, that's quite all right. Anyway, so, um, yeah, shrinking empire, it's not doing very well. Isaac and then his brother Alexios III did nothing really to help, did they? Uh, but what else is going on in Europe? Well, obviously, there is another Roman Empire, isn't there? Mm. The, uh, the restored Western Empire. 
Yeah, well, you remember last episode me telling you that actually the Western Empire is quite strong at the moment. Yeah. Strong enough that Henry, the Western Roman Emperor, was able to threaten our Roman Empire. Yeah. Remember the uh, the bushy eyebrowed yes. envoy coming yes. along demanding Yes, he didn't cash. have eyes, just, yes. just hair. Just big, big eyebrows, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, that, that was true up until Henry died. As soon as Henry died, the whole thing kind of falls apart. The Empire's splits into warring factions, which the Holy Roman Empire is known to do a lot. Uh, so, yeah, that's now weak and is falling apart. So with the two Roman Empires in disarray, what else is going on? Well, the major powerhouse in Europe for quite some time has been Norman Sicily, uh, but that's gone. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that was taken over. Long story, which we'll cover perhaps in Series 3, but that was taken over um, by... The Western Empire. So Norman Sicily's gone, so that's that's not there anymore. Fair enough. Uh, Richard the Lionheart's just died. English King! English King. So that's left England and France in a little bit of a political turmoil, so they're not very strong at this time. So was Richard... I, again, didn't really listen to X Factor. Um, was Richard the Lionheart a, uh, the king of France, France and England? Was he a dual king? Uh, slightly more complex no, than that, but yes, he was more than the king of modern-day England. Okay. There was areas on the continent that he had control of. Um, so, yeah, uh, everything's a little bit of a mess. In fact, the only real leader at this time in Europe who had any real power, arguably, was the Pope. Yeah. And this was a new Pope called Pope Innocent, honestly, the Third. <laughs> That'd be great if his actual uh, name. Often short and suggest Pope Innocent, um, but yeah. I mean, that, that name is just, that's, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's hiding name, isn't it? That's hiding something. It's not a name that inspires confidence, is no. it? No. It's like when you're a king, you call yourself the brave. Is that no, you're not. We saw you with that spider. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, Pope Innocent III had become a pope in 1198. And he had decided that what the West really needed right now was another crusade. Huzzah. Bring everyone together, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's crusade o'clock. Let's do this. <laughs> Weirdly, it was an hour after gin o'clock. Always odd that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Often those two things would coincide. Yeah. <laughs> but who to lead the crusade? Well, not Richard. Well, exactly. Not Henry, uh, Exactly. You're making some very good points. The, the people uh, who led the last crusade are just not around anymore. Barbarossa's dead. His son's dead. So what the Pope needed was some ambitious nobles. And one man answered the call. This is Tybalt. <gasps> of champagne. Wow, so Shakespearean and French. Yes, yeah. Just sat on his champagne farm, drinking champagne until he heard the call. Does, of the... Doesn't Tybalt mean like cat or something? Has it got something to do with cats? I don't know if the name Tybalt means cats, but he was the prince of cats yeah. in Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, maybe so he's a giant cat. There's... Who knows? Maybe he's just got a cat. A butler cat that pours champagne for oh, him. Oh, does he wear a hat? Yes, he wears a champagne hat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, just so you know, so you can picture him even clearer. The cat or Tybalt? Tybalt, but you could put the cat in there as well. Tybalt's brother was known as Henry of Champagne, which is how you had to say their surname. (laughs) Uh, And uh, Henry of Champagne had been the ruler of the kingdom of Jerusalem for a a while. He was never actually crowned king of Jerusalem, but he was in charge over there. Unfortunately, Henry of Champagne fell out of a window. Well, it happens to the best of us. Yeah, I read that and went, well, I now need to know more about that. So I dived into it. Uh, Two versions. (gasps) One, he was leaning on a railing on the second floor of a building. 
and the railing just gave way. It leaped tumbled out, and he died. Absolutely plausible. Number two, someone walked into the room while he was near the window, and he turned round to say hello to the person and just sort of lost his footing and fell out the window. <laughs> oh, let's go with the first one. Let's give him a bit of dignity. I mean, the second one sounds less plausible. The yeah. second one sounds like something that the person who's just pushed him out the window would that say, is doesn't true. it? That's true. Yeah. So let's go for the first one. The first one is better as well, because apparently one of the servants also fell out the window, because there were two of them. And apparently uh, Henry of uh, Champagne would have survived if his servant hadn't then landed oh, on top of him. yeah, of course. <laughs> it's like a meat missile. Yes. Because imagine him hitting the ground, groaning, it's okay, I'm all... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank goodness. Praise be to God, I've survived. Oh, my God. So anyway, um, Henry's dead. Henry of Champagne's dead. Oh. Uh, but his brother, Tybalt, he, he's got crusader blood in him, and he's uh, got the right to be over there, he figures. He's also, by the way, the grandson of Louis the Seventh, and he was related to Richard the Lionheart as well. So, I mean, he really does come from, from crusader stock here. So, there you go. That's the man who's going to be leading the Fourth Crusade. Fair enough. Talking of Richard the Lionheart, um, before his death, he had pointed out that if any new crusades should happen to uh, pop up, uh, what they should do next time is focus on the weakest part of the Islamic world. And it, in this case, that meant invading Egypt. Richard's idea was go into Egypt first, establish a base, and then push up into the Holy Land. I imagine Egypt at this time is not the strongest place in the world. It has been strong uh, within our podcast mm. uh, relatively recently. But yeah, Egypt's a bit weak politically at the moment. So uh, those people who heard this suggestion thought it was a very sensible plan. So, the likes of Tybalt, uh, who was organising the crusade, decided, yeah, you know what, let's do this, let's, let's go to Egypt. However, there's a slight problem with this. You're raising troops to go and retake the Holy Land, and then you tell them, oh, actually, we're going to Egypt instead. That's not very holy, they would say. Yeah. I mean, the age of the crusade had been going on for quite some time now, and the propaganda that went with it was fully embedded. Everyone knew the reason why you went on a crusade was to reclaim the Holy Land, and that meant your soul was safe forever. Hooray. Oh, and who knows? Who, who knows? Maybe we'll make some cash on the way. <laughs> it's definitely the soul thing. It's the soul thing we're doing it definitely, for, not the cash. Definitely. Is, is, why have you got a big bag that says swag on the side, Jeff? Says that's, I thought it said soul. I can't read. <laughs> yeah. So if we go to Egypt for the cash, I mean, I mean that's great. But can we really claim it's about souls anymore? Mm, Probably no. not. That just sounds like invasion. Yeah. And we're not invading. Of course not. It's a holy, holy crusade. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be against yeah. God if we invaded. So Tybalt and the other leaders came up with an ingenious plan. They just weren't going to tell anyone where they were going. Right. So we're, we're heading to Jerusalem, and all the generals are like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, <laughs> idiots. Yeah, yeah, pretty We're going to cross the Mediterranean Sea. That's probably a quicker way, sir. I mean... Well, no, go, going through the Mediterranean makes sense well, going to yeah. the Holy Land. I mean, that's how yeah. Richard had done it um, with his army in the last crusade. And they, they don't have GPS. They're not going to know, are they? If, if someone put me on a boat in <laughs> Italy... And then I turned up on the shore of Egypt. I don't think I would be confident enough to say, hang on, this isn't Palestine. I'd, I'd be going, fair enough, looks hot. I, <laughs> I mean, the Egyptian flags would probably give some of it away nowadays. That might give it. And, and the pyramids. Yes, yeah. And all the mummies walking around. And the welcome to you. 
the Welcome to Egypt gift shop. <laughs> yes, but they'll cross that bridge when they get there, yeah. thinks Tybalt. It's fine. We, we just won't tell anyone for now. Worry about especially, especially when we're rounding up troops. Once we're underway, we can let them know it's a change of plan or something. It'll be yeah. fine. Anyway, you, uh, of course, make a good point in that uh, you're going to have to cross the Mediterranean to get to Egypt. So how do you get across the Mediterranean? In a boat. Yes, you need a lot of boats. Well, where's the best place to hire a fleet? Venice would be the best oh, yeah. place to hire a fleet. Are they still, are they they still are... a powerhouse at the moment? Oh, very, very much so. This is We're, we're talking almost peak uh, powerhouse of Venice here. They are very rich. Um, they are dominating uh, the area, mm. uh, along with various other city-states that are popping up in the region. But, yeah, Venice... Very powerful at this time, and they have a doge at the moment. This doge is uh, a character of the age, shall we say. His name was Enrico Dandolo. That sounds very Italian. That sounds wonderful. Does, doesn't it? Yeah. Enrico Dandolo was at least in his mid-70s, maybe in his 80s, and he was completely blind. And apparently... He was a force to be reckoned with. You didn't mess with the old blind man. <laughs> Why are you wearing red? Uh, how does he know? <laughs> I mean, he keeps saying how he's blind, but he can see everything. <laughs> he just caught a fly with chopsticks. Yeah, apparently it was a bit like that. Envoys were sent to Enrico Dandolo. Can we, asked Tybalt, get enough ships to transport oh, around 4,500 knights and around 20,000 footmen. Please. It's uh, a lot yeah. of gondolas. <laughs> <laughs> but no problem, said said Venice. They knew how to build a gondola back then. So, <laughs> yeah, that will be 84,000 silver pieces. Thank you very much. Uh, but you know what? We're throwing an extra 50 ships with our own men in, free of charge. Interesting. Which is nice. Yes. Yeah. Okay, uh, are you sure? Anything you want in return for that? Oh yeah, uh, we'll have 50% of everything that you uh, capture over there. See, I don't think that's an unfair thing to ask for. I mean, you know, we're, we're all this manpower and stuff, all this effort. And yes, we're getting you to pay, but with Venice we can do that. And, you know, we want more because okay. we're Venice and we can ask for it. Exactly. So, uh, deal, says Tybalt's man. Yeah, fair enough. It's now a joint venture, this crusade. You have the crusading Frankish troops led by Tybalt, and now Venice are going to get involved as well. Mm. Wonderful. However, as Tybalt's envoys leave and go back to Champagne... Um, they all said that as they were leaving. <laughs> Champagne! <laughs> I mean, if you're going to live anywhere, it's the best place to go home to, isn't that it? That is true, yeah. Yeah. I wonder when Champagne was first, like, the drink was first created. What was it? At this time, Tybalt's just invented it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It was actually his cat, but his cat didn't want credit. Well, of course, cats, you know, very, yeah. very... The, the cat's very much a uh, Puss in Boots style character. <clears throat> That's what it's cat, cat's nice. like. Nice. Anyway, let, let all the envoys go back to Champagne. They're holding their champagne glasses in the air as they're running through the streets, rushing home Yay. as they do it. So let them go, go over and, the Alps. And because it's the proper champagne glasses, not the modern crappy ones. They're all like little... Cones, like ice cream cones, the proper round ones. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, the definitely. The really, Antoinette really low ones. Yeah, really low basiny type yeah. ones. Oh yeah, definitely. Designed perfectly so you spill your drink every time you even look at your glass. <laughs> yeah. 
So as the envoys are running through the streets with them raised above their heads, the champagne's going all over the place. Yeah. But it's great. Yeah. They're having a great time. Anyway, they're gone. They're over the Alps. Um, stay in Venice. Stay in Venice. An advisor comes up to the doge and says something along the lines of, Sire, don't, don't we have envoys in Egypt at the moment discussing a very profitable trade deal? Oh, yes. Yes, we do, says Enrico. Probably. <laughs> and uh, isn't part of that deal that we very much want... Uh, isn't part of that deal us agreeing never to take part in any attack of Egypt? I imagine the doge turns with a smile and says, Oh, don't worry, we won't be attacking Egypt. Ooh. And then he slowly smiled and just said the word champagne. <laughs> would you care for a glass of champagne? Yeah. So, um... Yeah, it would appear that Enrico's plan was to leak the destination of the crusade, figuring that the rank and file would demand that they go directly to Jerusalem instead. Yeah. Yeah. Spanner in the works. Didn't work. Oh, okay. Enrico might be a force to be reckoned with, but this plan didn't work. Rather than demand a change in destination, most of the rank and file decided, well, let's just not go then, if it's Egypt. So... Several months later, the day finally comes where the Frankish forces pull up outside Venice, waiting to board the ships. And uh, there was an embarrassingly low number of men who turned up. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, <laughs> seven, eight, nine. Ah. That, that one's a scarecrow. That's definitely a scarecrow. Damn it. Oh, and two of them are Jeffs. Um, no. <laughs> uh, oh. It's like minus 12 there. Yeah, less than a third of what was expected turned up oh dear mm. and uh yes that's embarrassing but far more importantly the people who were not turning up also included the nobles they were the ones who were supposed to be paying for the ships yo yeah they owe eighty-four thousand coins of silver uh tybalt could not afford to pay the doge now there are two main reasons why tybalt can't afford to pay the doge at this point the first reason is, obviously, the nobles aren't there, so he can't raise the money from the nobles, but there's a more pressing reason for Tybalt personally, and that's because he's dead. Well, they'll put a down on things. Yeah, he died shortly before the uh, troops met up in Venice. So, did he fall um, out the window as well? <laughs> it doesn't say, but let's say he did. Excellent. Yeah, It's very common, very common in his family. <gasps> I reckon it was um, the cat. Oh, it's always the cat. Because the cat has the... Always he, the cat. He has all the deeds to the champagne farm. Yeah, yeah. That cat's definitely wearing Tebalt's boots now. Yes. So... Ooh, yeah. and his hat. Ooh, and his hat, yeah. Uh, anyway, so the crusade had been taken over. Instead of Tybalt running the show, it was now being ran by a man named the Marquis Bonyface of Montferrat. <laughs> Bonyface. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or Boniface. Uh, as we've we've come across a bony face before, but not for quite some time. It was nice to see the old bony face name. Well, come we back pronounce up. it Bonaparte, don't we? Bony part. So oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. That's bony. Yeah, that's a similar name. I wonder if there was a link between Maybe those names. Bony face, but you know, <laughs> bony face. That's what it's called. <laughs> it's beard face. Damn it. <laughs> so anyway, bony face is there. Uh, he he's in charge, and he is the one who cannot afford to pay. Enrico. So that's a shame. And look, the fleet's right there. It's a very impressive looking fleet. Venice had done a damn good job building this fleet. 
<laughs> all uh, the guys on the back with their big long sticks ready to push and go. Yeah, they're all ready. All ready. There's hurdy herdy- gurdies. Is that what they're called? People yeah. are about to sing. Yeah. There's there's ice cream shops being set oh. up and everything. It is about to launch, but they just cannot pay for it. Uh, so Bonyface, faced with this problem, spent uh, a while scraping together as much money as he could, and basically emptying out his own coffers, getting everyone that was there to really pay as much as they could. They eventually managed to put all of their combined wealth together. They looked at it. And they had 34,000 silver pieces. And the, yeah, so 80, didn't he? Yeah, 84. Oh. They were a bit short. A bit short. Eventually, at this point, Doge Enrico, sure that he could squeeze no more out of the Franks, came along with an offer. A Venetian city, Zara, has recently fallen to the Hungarians. All very annoying. Tell you what, if you help us take the city back... We'll call it quits and then go a crusading. Nice. Uh, Pope Innocent back in Rome hears about this and was outraged. <laughs> he wrote to Bodyface, No, no way, we're not a bunch of mercenaries, we're a holy army. We're not selling ourselves out to the highest bidder to take cities in Europe. Yeah. However, once Roger arrived in Venice, uh, there was no one there. <laughs> the Franks and the Venetians had gone to Zara. Like everyone in the city? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Roger had to fill in the, sorry, we missed you. Oh, the red card, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Put it under just a random yeah. door. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so there you go. Boniface obviously was leading the Frankish troops, and the ancient Enrico personally led his. No staying at home for this nearly 80-year-old. Oh, no. He's he's leading the troops. Oh, no. Yeah. Let's go this way, men. Are, are you quite <laughs> sure, sir? <laughs> yeah, when I say a force to be reckoned with, I mean, he, he really was. He... he Dressed up in armour, he led troops. He, he did not slow down at wow. all. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the city was soon taken. Short version of that. Um, <laughs> the Franks and the Venetians, however, then started to argue over the spoils. Fighting broke out between the two armies. Eventually, it was fine. They essentially drew a line down the middle of the city and agreed to stay in their halves over winter. Because winter was approaching, so that's winter here. And uh, then, then crusade. In fact, I quote here: "Let us divide it in the midst, and we will take one half, and you the other." Said Enrico, making sure that his half was the one with the docks. Yeah, because it's just useful to have the docks. It is. You guys can stay at the back over there. Yeah. Back in Rome, by the way, Pope Innocent excommunicated the entire army. <laughs> nice. So a good start to the crusade. The Holy Army is excommunicated. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then a letter arrived in Zara for Boniface from a man named Philip. Philip was the son of Frederick Barbarossa, the old Western Roman Emperor. Mm. He was the brother of Henry, the other old Western Roman Emperor. Dead one. So we're talking... Yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking member of royalty... In the West here. Not only that, Philip, due to a marriage, was also the son-in-law to the now blind and monked Isaac II Angelos. Oh, yes. Interesting. And Philip had had an interesting guest show up. None other than Isaac's two son and rightful heir to the throne of the Romans, Alexios IV. That's where we're going to come away from that narrative... And let's start Alexios 4's episode properly, shall we? Right. And then 
We'll catch back up to this yeah. point quite quickly, as you will see. So, Alexios IV, born in around 1182. Alexios was the son of Isaac and his first wife, who, interestingly, by the way, I noticed was a Paleologos. So That's that um, upcoming family. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, so they're, they're knocking around at this time. This was when Andronicus Komnenos was heading to the city to take it over. So Alexios IV therefore would have been a baby when his grandfather, Daddy Angelos, as we've been calling him, defected to Andronicus's site. Hmm. He would have been around two years old when his father, his uncle and grandfather had to flee on the wine boat. Party yeah. boat, yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing Alexios IV was with other family members. Yeah. It makes little sense that he would have been there. Yeah. During He's the, the too key. young to drink. Exactly. Then the Siege of Nicaea happens. There's no there's no mention of Alexios at this point. Uh, again, he's still very much a, a small child. He was either within the city with his dad, Isaac too, as Isaac helped lead the, uh, the city. Yeah. Or maybe he was staying with his grandmother when she was sent for by Andronikos and tied up onto the battering ram. So yes. who, who, who knows? Yeah. Uh, we don't know. But all that's going on. Either way, he's too young to care. He's a little child. He would have been around four years old when a man turned up at his house shouting his father's name with a lot of scary-looking men. And perhaps he even watched his father sneak into the stables and then charge out, embedding his sword into the head of the shouting man as he passed. Mm. Yeah. Obviously all this covered in Isaac's episode because then Isaac coos and becomes emperor and little Alexios IV found himself heir to the Roman Empire at the age of four. And then we get nothing, nothing on him at all. Um, He would have been educated, he would have been well looked after. Maybe he shadowed his father just to get to grips with the job. We've seen that before. Maybe he was put in part of the palace and he was left to it. We've also seen that, we just don't know. The fact that he's not mentioned, possibly more likely the latter. He was in charge of frescoes. Maybe, maybe he was. Uh, Ten years go by. He's 14 now. And uh, his uncle... Alexios III poses his father and then has his father blinded. Oh. Yeah, Yeah. remember that. Nice. What a guy. Alexios IV was thrown in prison. So he'd have been four, five, six? Fourteen. Oh, yeah, you say, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, he's he's around 14. He's thrown into prison by his uncle. That'd be annoying. That is annoying, isn't it? Now, interestingly, we move away from Nicetus as our main source. I mean, we have been working pretty much exclusively from Nicetus for quite a few episodes now. But, interestingly, we get a snippet from a Russian source at this time, from an unknown author, who just covers what happens next in slightly more detail. So we're going to jump over to this source here. After a while, Isaac too spoke to his brother and asked him to release his son. It's like, come on, the kid's not done anything. I understand you overthrew me and you blinded me, but why are you taking it out on my kid? So let him go. He'll swear oaths, he'll do whatever you want. He won't plot against you. Just just, just let him out. It's not fair. Now, Alexios III apparently was convinced by this, as we saw last episode. Uh, Alexios apparently was very mild-mannered. And according to Nicetus, also often regretted blinding his brother. So. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Isaac. Yeah. Um, so, okay, fair enough. Um, he can come out. Alexios IV was free. He was put into the court. Now, obviously, Alexios III is not an idiot, So a close eye was kept on Alexios IV. But he is technically free, but there's always a couple of men just nearby. Chains and Gertie. Oh, Gertie. Chains and Sack. Gertie, yeah. (laughs) Um, Just to make sure you're safe. That's what they were. For your protection. 
Exactly. Uh, meanwhile, in the monastery, Isaac too's starting to think that actually this isn't on. I'm a, I've thought about this. I'm a little bit ticked off with my brother. <laughs> so, he made some contacts with some people and a plan was made. One day, and annoyingly we don't get the details here, Alexios IV was smuggled onto a ship that was docked in the palace docks. Once on the ship, he climbs into a barrel. Meanwhile, his guard noticed that he's missing. I mean, Chains and Gertie look around. Oh, hang on, where's the kid? Yeah. Oh dear, <laughs> we best go and tell the Emperor we've lost the kid. So, um, yeah, Alexios III orders a search, and soon enough, the basics of the plan were figured out. The only place he really could have gone was that ship down in the docks. That makes sense. That, that, that one ship with the one barrel on. Let's check there. <laughs> well, yeah, let's, let's board the ship. Let's go, go through. Let's take it apart. Let's, let's search every nook and cranny. So the guards entered the hold. They looked around at all these conveniently large barrels all over the place. Yeah. It was just a, just a room full of barrels and wardrobes and... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like low chests and uh, a mannequins loads of mannequins yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> a couple of statues yeah. just full length costumes yes dangling from the earth yeah. ceiling it's very well. odd room very yeah. dark but it's very the occasional flash of light from random sources it was... yeah. yeah yeah smoke machine bizarrely oh, yeah uh, yeah, it, but it's like, fine, we're going to have to search the room. So they did. Uh, they go past every single barrel. They pull out the bung out of every single barrel. And one by one, water starts to come out. You obviously need to take a lot of drinking water with you on the ships. So, yeah, just, yeah, water's in that one. Yeah, water's in that one. They go down all of the barrels. All of them have water in. Okay, they replace all of the bungs. They search the rest of the ship. Um, they keep poking all the mannequins. There's nothing there. Eventually, they come to the realisation that they must have made a mistake. The kid's not on, on here. Fine. So, they let the ship go. Right. And a very relieved Alexios IV probably let out a sigh. <laughs> As he was drowning but in how, a big water barrel. <laughs> well, how was this done? Was, was, was he on done? a different boat? Is it that simple? Oh, oh, Nice. The old film trick. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, no, it wasn't that. One of those tank. you know, you go for the sensory tanks, you just kind of, where I imagine <laughs> something just like flows around for a bit, like a fetus. No, no, no. You get the impression that um, they, they tested to see if the barrels were full, and they were yeah. full. Was he in a food barrel? No, no, he was in a water barrel, but he was in a special water barrel <gasps> that had been cleverly designed. Did he, we- oh, did, did it? Just no. Did it have like was it a double layered water barrel? Oh yes, you totally got it. The barrel looks just like any normal barrel, but it was divided in two in the middle. The bottom half, therefore, could be empty, and the top half could be full, filled with water. So if you took the bung out, you know, you, you'd see that the water's full. It's there. That must have been specially made then. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just a random. It had a reason for it. it just no, it's just to hide people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's free. Alexios IV has escaped, and he has a destination in mind, because his sister had married the son of Barbarossa, oh. and the brother of Henry. So he would go to the Western Empire and ask for help. Now, we leave our Russian source there, we now go to a Frankish historian. This Frankish historian is also a knight who took part in the Fourth Crusade, he was also the Marshal of Champagne, uh, so he was very well placed to see all the events that was going on. He is one of the main sources of the Fourth Crusade, and his name is Jeff. What? 
I mean, technically, it's Geoffrey of Vir Haldun, however you pronounce that. Um, We've got a historical Jeff. Jeff is not just the source, he was taking part in the events as well. Oh my goodness. We have a Jeff up, up close and personal with the story. This is a real Jeff. Oh, this is going to drive the Jeff historians insane. Oh, it really is. I mean, yeah. Work this one out. <laughs> <laughs> so, apparently, uh, Alexios IV found himself in Verona at this point. Where we lay our scene. Yeah, maybe we went to see Tybalt's corpse. Yeah. Lay in the tomb. Yep. It's like there was, there was some, like, young young lady and a, a young lad on the slab nearby. Didn't know what was yeah, going on there. That was weird. What the hell was going yeah, on? That so. was very weird. Just ignored that. Um, Ooh, yeah. hello, anyway. Oh, wait, you're dead as well. <laughs> What's going on in this city? <laughs> Full of emos and goths. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, once he was in Verona, uh, apart from the tensions in the city between the two warring families, <laughs> uh, he also noticed a lot of pilgrims heading towards Venice. Well, what's what's going on there? He asked his attendants, because apparently he had attendants by this point. I'm not sure what barrels they were in, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, the same one. Yeah, really cramped in. <laughs> And I, I can quote what was said to him at this time, apparently. Sire, there is an army in Venice quite near to us, the best and most valiant people and knights that are, there are in the world, and they are going overseas. Cry to them, therefore, for mercy, that they have pity on thee and thy father, who have been so wrongfully dispossessed. And if they be willing to help thee, thou shalt be guided by them. Perchance they will take pity on thy estate. That sounded very Shakespearean. Yeah, I mean, they were at Verona, yeah, so... Well, of when is Romeo and Juliet set? We're probably not actually that far. It's probably about it. this time, I imagine. Probably about, only about 300 years mm. off. In my head, it's always in, like, the 1500s. Yeah. I don't know why I've got that. But yeah, we're not that far off. Anyway, Alexios agreed. Uh, yeah, let's let's go to, to Venice. Let's uh, see if they can help. Uh, so, he selected a couple of men to be his envoys, and they sought to meet up with the leader of the crusading army... The Marquis Bonyface. So, there we go. We've caught up with the story. Notice how the two sources claim different people approached Bonyface. It was either Philip writing him a letter, or it was Alexios for sending envoys. Although there's another version that has it where Alexios actually met Bonyface in the court of Philip. Nice. Before Bonyface even reached Venice. So this was all plotted out beforehand. Yeah. But uh, ultimately, it doesn't really matter. The message is the same. If you help me get rid of my uncle, said Alexios IV, I'll do what I can to help your crusade. So soon enough, some details were started to be ironed out, and it soon became very clear to Bonyface and the Doge and Rico that they had struck the mother load here. Yep. Because the kid was willing to give anything. You get the impression the negotiations went something along the lines of, okay, if... We put you on the throne, Alexios. You'll have to pay for the entire crusade into Egypt. Uh, okay, <laughs> says Alexios. Really? Oh, okay. Um, and you need to add 10,000 soldiers to our forces. Yep, fine. Done, says Alexios. Um, and 500 knights? Yep, that's fine. Okay. And once the invasion's over, you'll have to pay for the upkeep of those knights for the rest of the year. <laughs> Polish them, put them away every night. Yeah, absolutely fine, says Alexios, as long as you make me emperor. And at this point, you get the feeling they just you, they just went for it. And they just went, just say it, just say it, see what he does, see what he does. Um, the 
entire Eastern Church would have to formally be part of the Western Church. The Patriarch would be below the Pope. Oh, see, that's quite a big concession, isn't it? It's culturally that, so different. That That is a, a big jump. Yeah. I mean, they were asking a lot before, but th- this is insane. This, this, this hits on the people in the street kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I imagine a few people in the room held their breath. Yeah, yeah, fine, whatever, says Alexios. You get the impression Alexios did not spend those ten years where we don't know much about him studying history. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Oh, dear. So I, I imagine Boniface and Enrico kind of look at each other, which unnerved Boniface slightly because Enrico is meant to be blind, but... <laughs> Pulls his sunglasses down, looks over the rim. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. huh? Fair enough. Excellent. And they all shook hands. This is going to be fun. Right, the Venetians were more than happy to attack those damn Greek Romans. I mean, the Eastern Empire had been annoying the Venetians for quite some time now. So, yeah, we're happy to attack. The Franks were less keen. The, the rank and file in the Frankish army, yet again, it's like, this still doesn't sound like a holy crusade. It still sounds like attacking fellow Christians. I mean, yes, the weird Christians, but uh, they're still Christians, aren't they? So... Should we be doing this? Mm. Yeah. So, some Franks just left for the Holy Land on their own, which uh, you can only guess how their story ended. (laughs) Uh, uh, But most stayed. I mean, after all, who hadn't heard of the mother of all cities and the amazing wealth that could be found in Constantinople? Worth a look, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of on the way. It's kind of on the way, isn't it? So, soon after, Alexios turns up in Zara... Uh, the city that Enrico and Boniface were, yeah. and uh, he was declared emperor. Boniface? And then the host... No, no, Alexis oh, IV. Okay. thank goodness. And then the host set off to the capital of the Romans. Uh, they took various cities on the way, but they met no resistance whatsoever. If you remember back in the last episode of Alexius III, Alexius III was just putting his head in the sand at this point yeah. and pretending it wasn't happening. So, uh, yeah, the Franks and the Venetians essentially walk up well, sail up to Constantinople, because in 1202 the fleet arrives. And I will quote, Now you may know that those who have never before seen Constantinople looked upon it very earnestly, for they never thought that there could be in all the world so rich a city. And they marked the high walls and the strong towers that enclosed it round about, and the rich palaces and the mighty churches of which there were so many that no one could have believed it who had not seen it with their own eyes. And be it known to you that no man there was of such hardihood, but his flesh trembled. And it was no wonder, for never was so great an enterprise undertaken by any people since the creation of the world. In other words, damn good walls. <laughs> so so bricky. It's, it's an impressive city. They'd never seen anything like it. They thought that the, the cities in Italy were, were grand. Uh, this, this just bleeped all over anything they'd ever seen before. Anyway, Alexios IV, around 20 by this time, by the way, was paraded in front of the walls. Here's your emperor. And soon, an envoy arrived from Alexios III, his uncle, to deliver a message to Boniface and Enrico. The message went to like this. The emperor Alexios III marvels much why and for what purpose you have come into his land and kingdom. For you are Christians, and he is a Christian. And while he knows that you are on your way to deliver the Holy Land overseas... If you're poor and in want, he will right willingly give you his food and substance, providing that you depart out of his land. 
neither would he otherwise wish to do you any hurt, though he has full power therein, seeing that if you were twenty times as numerous as you are, you would not be able to get away if so be that he wished to harm you. Hmm. Fight him once. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you get the feeling that they're not actually Alexios III's words. Absolutely not. You, Absolutely not. <laughs> you get get the feeling someone in the palace went, just yeah. go out and say this. Say, say the Emperor said this. Yes, yeah, it's fine. It's like when yeah. Trump gave those speeches that were kind of coherent. It's like, you didn't write this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Anyway, the old blind Enrico got to his feet. And everyone gasped and backed away. The envoys probably just thought he was an old blind man in the corner, but oh no, no, here he is. He probably did that fall that Willy Wonka does <gasps> at the start of the film. And put yeah. out a sword as he rolled and just sliced the head off. <laughs> well, apparently he said this. Into the Emperor's land we have not entered, for he holds this land wrongfully and wickedly, and against God and against reason. It belongs to his nephew, who sits upon a throne among us, and he is the son of his brother, the Emperor Isaac. But if he is willing to throw himself on the mercy of his nephew and to give him back his crown and empire, then we will pray to his nephew to forgive him. And if you come not as the bearer of such a message, then be not so bold as to come here again. Nice. Yeah. So, negotiations are off. The fighting begins, which we covered in the last episode. The Franks attack from land, the Venetians by sea, because that makes sense. Uh, over ten days the assault took place. According to Jeff, the historian, the standout <laughs> part of the assault oh, no. was not the final breaching of the wall, which we've covered. Um, in fact, it was breached in a couple of places. Uh, but the actions of Enrico, at least 80 by this point. He stood fully armed on the prow of his galley. He had the standard of St. Mark before him, and he cried to his people to put him on land, or else he would do justice upon their bodies with his hands. And so they did. He does sound like quite a scary guy. He really does, doesn't he? He's, he's there threatening his own men. It's like, point me in the direction of battle, or so help me, God. <laughs> <laughs> I will kill every one of you with my bare hands. <laughs> Yeah. So, as we've seen, the walls were breached, part of the city was set on fire. Alexios III rallies slightly and comes out to fight, but then, as we've seen, gets cold feet and then just runs. Uh, the first Enrico, Boniface, and Alexios IV hear about this is when a messenger arrives. The Emperor has fled. What, what do you want to do? So, they decide. Well, let's send some envoys into the city just to make sure. Because this could be a trap. Yes. Uh, yeah, just, just in who case. should we send in? Um, Jeff. Jeff, stop writing. Put on your, your suit of armour. Go into the uh, the city and see what's going on. So Jeff and several of her envoys go into the city. The gates open and there stood the Varangian Guard. This At this time made up of Danes and Englishmen. So Vikings and people in Tweed. <laughs> Tell her. <laughs> Onward, brave men. They led Jeff and the other envoys right up to the palace, and there in the throne room, sitting on the throne, was Isaac II, restored. Oh, twist! Twist. Twist. Now, if you remember back to Isaac's episode, I did say, it's like he kind of does something else, but... Yeah. This is no Justinian II, as you're going to see. <laughs> it's like, I'm, oh. <laughs> there was no way he was getting any more points, and I didn't want to ruin yeah. all of... The last two episodes by quickly covering it in in Isaac's episode. So, uh, yeah. but there you go. <gasps> Isaac II's back on the throne. Uh, what they had done 
inside the city was realise Alexios III had done a runner. Well, how can we stop the army from invading? Quick, let's put the father of the person who is outside the gates on the throne and maybe that will calm everyone down. He wouldn't dare attack his own father. That never happens in Roman history. <laughs> exactly. Said one man to another. Yeah, anyway, um, Jeff spoke to Isaac. This Jeff had a, a quite amazingly, quite a, a deep and uh, powerful voice. The kind of voice that is respected. I mean, everyone's a bit confused in the palace because he. this looks yeah. like a Jeff. He's called Jeff, but he sounds like he... He wears the flag of Jeff, but... He sounds like he knows what he's talking about. And he's he keeps writing things down. What's going on? He can write! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Essentially, what Jeff said was that he was there on behalf of Boneyface and Enrico, and that they were seeking that Isaac agreed with the terms that Isaac's son had given. Oh, well, what terms did my son give? asked Isaac. Fair question. Well, says Jeff, to begin with, you're going to put the entire Empire of Romania under the obedience of Rome. Unification. Yeah. Reunification. I mean, it's been separated for a while. So, uh, one empire, one emperor. Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, and also, uh, 200,000 marks of silver, by the way. Oh, and enough food for the army to eat for a year. Uh, we'll have 10,000 men. We want some horses and some food. Just imagine it fading out at this point, because the list just went yeah. on. <laughs> but yeah. uh, the first... Three ducks called Jeffrey. Yeah, the, the first thing on the list was would have been what everyone heard. And after that, it probably just was a high-pitched sort of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, because here was an envoy speaking on behalf of a fractured Western Empire. Remember, the Western Empire is not doing great. It's it's infighting at the moment, so they're hardly a powerhouse yeah. themselves. Uh, but they were strong enough to demand that the Eastern Empire unconditionally surrender. Wow. Isaac's not happy, but what can he do? Anyway, Jeff turns to leave, and... Uh, oh, just uh, one more thing. He pulls a Columbo. Oh, pulls a Columbo. Yes. Your coat on and everything. <laughs> your son's co-emperor and the one we will be listening to. Goodbye. <gasps> yeah, Alexios IV was crowned on the August on the August on August the first of twelve o three. So are they joint emperors or technically yes? This is the reign of Isaac II restored and his son Alexios IV. But as you will see, um, in fact, no, I'm not even going to say it because <laughs> you will just see. Anyway, um, dark, <laughs> dark days were ahead for the city, as you can imagine. The puppet emperor, Alexios, introduces very heavy taxes. The churches then were raided for all their wealth, and the wealth was melted down and sent to Rome. The citizens were outraged. The church was beyond furious. Uh, everyone's very, very angry. Um, the Franks stayed over that winter, uh, as did the Venetians, um, and you can imagine the tensions there. At yeah. one point, some of the Frankish troops burnt down a synagogue. Uh, they were on a crusade, after Ooh. all. And one of the less talked about things about the crusade is just how yeah. awfully Jewish people were treated by the crusading armies as they passed through the towns and the cities. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, synagogue burnt down. Uh, the fire spread. This was a big, big fire. Uh, arguably one of the biggest in all of Roman history. We are talking up there with Nero's fire in Rome or Justinian's fire 
uh, near the start of season two. Um, yeah, big fire. In fact, I quote, The fire waxed so great and horrible that no man could put it out or abate it. That was Jeff speaking there. Then Nicetus said, because Nicetus just, it's like he's not letting any Jeff out describe him. Elbow Jeff in the <laughs> face. Well, what he meant was... The flames rose unbelievably high above the ground throughout the night. The next day, and the following evening as they spread everywhere, it was a novel sight, defying the power of description. But I will carry on describing it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing could yeah. stand before those flames. Even more extraordinary was the fact the burning embers detached themselves from this roaring and raging fire and consumed buildings at a great distance. Neither the baked brick nor the deep-set foundations could withstand the heat, and everything within was consumed like candle wicks. Oh, at that point, Jeff, the historian, just like nudges him out the way. He goes to speak, but he's probably tackled to the ground. Yes. <laughs> like a dragon! <laughs> um, but what of Alexios? What's he up to? Well, if anything, so far as to be a, a, a barometer by, nothing. In the face of these most horrendous events, both the Emperor Isaacios and his son Alexios were not in the least appalled. They prayed for the end of all things, these firebrands of the country, flaming in visage, thus personifying the incendiary angel of evil. Nice. So, uh, not good. Once the flames were put out, short version of that, <laughs> it took a while, but the flames <laughs> were eventually put out. The The city is... No, I, I like to think it's as quick as you said it. It's like, yeah, uh, just, uh, yeah oh, sort of, yeah. move on. So someone turned a tap on. It was fine. Uh, yeah, the, the city was a smouldering ruin. Um, the citizens had no money because they were being heavily taxed and there were invading soldiers all over the place. So yeah, not a good time to be in the city. Um, Alexios and his father at this time decided that they needed to do something about Alexios III. Remember, Alexios III's on the run. He did a runner. You can't have an ex-emperor on the run. That's, that's that He could come back. Yeah. What could we do? At this point, Bonyface happens to appear. Oh, my my army could go and track him down. No problem. For a fee. Hmm. So, Alexios. <laughs> Alexios sets off with Bonyface and the, uh, and the Franks to charge down his uncle. Uh, after a couple of months, they return. They didn't manage to get his uncle, but they did uh, lots of general fighting and making sure the locals know who's in charge now. And, and after a couple of months, they returned to the capital to find that uh, Isaac had been very busy hanging anyone he thought was linked to his overthrow. So, uh, yeah, that that wasn't good. It was tense in the city, as you can imagine. But it would be. Wouldn't and then things yeah. between father and son uh, start to deteriorate. Isaac resented the fact that he did not have as much power as his son, and that his son essentially had given the empire away. Always a bit awkward. Alexios... Yeah, does very well. Alexios resented the fact that he was not seen as a returning hero. In fact, uh, there was a... <laughs> I want my triumph. There was a lot of booing going on whenever he was seen. So uh, he started spending more and more time with those who seemed to appreciate him. Boniface and Enrico, or rather, not them. They were very important people. You don't want to, like disturb them. Uh, but the nobles under Boniface and Enrico thought yeah. the Emperor of the Romans. I'll go and hang out with them. Apparently he would play games of dice with them in the evening, and uh, it was all fun. There was some gentle mocking occasionally. Between friends, between friends. Laughing with, not at. 
Uh, one one time, it's really funny. They uh, they took off his crown and they put a woolly hat on him. It was really funny. <sighs> Respect is is so important. It really it? is. Yeah, as a king and a leader. Yeah. Um, so whilst he's being mocked by lesser nobles <laughs> from the west, everyone, uh, his father is going slightly mad inside the palace. He's convinced that he will be the emperor who unites east and west, and that he would soon see again. He starts getting angry at people who says that he's definitely blind. Uh, so your retinas are literally scorched. You, you don't. You, we don't have any. <laughs> Well, things then get worse. The population were almost in open revolt. As you can imagine, they're not very happy. Uh, one commander at this time, obviously called Alexios, but to differentiate him, we will call him Alexios Ducas. Nice. Alexios Ducas attempted to lead a charge against the Latin forces. It's like, we can't just sit here and let them take over the city. Uh, we need we need to do something. But uh, this goes nowhere. Alexios IV hears about this and orders the men to stand down. No, can't have them. Uh, Alexios then heard that all of the bishops and high-up members of the church were meeting in the Hagia Sophia to decide what to do. That's a meeting you really want to be a part of, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, apparently, according to uh, his, his little spy, they had all agreed that the emperor needed to go... But at the moment, they were not nominating anyone to uh, replace Alexios because they knew full well that as soon as they said a name, that man would just be assassinated. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, the, there's a coup going down in the Hagia Sophia. That's, that's what's happening. A quite obvious one as well. Yeah. Uh, Nikitas was in there, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> knowing through bitter experience the obstinance of men, we kept our silence. And in our unhappiness, we let many tears flow down our cheeks, foreseeing what the future likely held in store for us. It was not a fun meeting, apparently. <laughs> it's like the emperor needs to go, but uh, who's going to do it? Oh, we're all going to die, aren't we? We are all going <laughs> to die. I'm just here taking notes. I'm sorry. Well, um, the emperor, Alexios, then does what he knows he has to do. There's a coup attempt going on. In the Hagia Sophia, there's only one thing to do. Oh, oh, that is, uh, oh. go and see Boniface. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, Boniface, damn it, he said. They're, they're trying to go against me. What do I do? It's fine, said Boniface. Um, why don't you, Alexios, invite my troops into the palace to guard you? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That night, Alexios IV was awoken by none other than Alexios Ducas. There were men at the gates with axes, said Alexios Ducas. They've come to kill you, sire. We, we need to get out of here. Alexios got up, was covered in a large robe to try and hide him, and then led into a quiet place in the palace. Was it the jail? It was the jail. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> he, he was seized and put in iron chains. Uh, at that point, uh, he was force-fed poison. Twice. Oh. Uh, yeah. First time, it didn't work. Second time? Didn't work. Yeah. Apparently, Alexios had been uh, taking antidotes as a precaution. So the poison wasn't effective. Was that the whole micro-dosing thing? Where yeah, taking yeah a exactly. Poison, um, <laughs> so Alexios Dukas, I mean, this is a head-scratcher, isn't it? Oh. 
the guy can't be killed by poison. Um, <laughs> I know. Let's just strangle him with a bowstring. So they do. Oh, and uh, Isaac too, tragically, um, found himself dead by morning. Yeah. I mean, who, who, who knows how that happened? Accidents happen. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, swords fall from the ceiling all the time. All the time. So that's Isaac yeah. II and Alexios IV dead. And the Empire has a new emperor, Alexios V Ducas. Hey. And uh, he's going to win the Empire back off the Latins. Actually, if you know uh, the story, you'll realise that I've simplified the end thing there slightly. Um, again, things are all very complex and moving parts at this point, and I'm trying to make everything as clear as possible. So uh, you'll, you'll see there's a bit more detail to Alexios IV's death uh, in Alexios V's episode, uh, but yeah. nothing that would change his score. So I've just simplified it. But yeah, they're dead. Um, and you've got the Crusader armies inside the city, but you've got you've got a, a a rebellion, a revolt, someone standing up against them. Do you think he's going to be successful? Um, yes. Cool. Right. Well, we'll have to see in his episode <laughs> because now we need yeah, to well, we need to rank Alexios four. Yeah. Fightius Maximus. Well, he gets nothing here, does he? Absolutely not. No. I mean, no. No. He. he I mean, technically, you could argue the forces he was with were the first to breach the walls of Constantinople. I mean, that's impressive, isn't it? But he was being used as a puppet by those forces. It's not yeah. his forces. It's silly to assume that just because he was there, has me watching from the sides, means he. Yeah, so I don't. I don't think defeating it. And we can give Boniface and Enrico yeah. points. Yeah, yeah, but no, 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 absolutely not. Zero. Next. Mm. Aprovium Crazium. <laughs> I haven't even written these down because I don't feel the need to. Uh, no, no, there's nothing. No. We don't get any stories. Um, I mean, just occurred to me though. I, I was thinking Crazium. He does nothing crazy. He sold the empire. He d- he did sell the empire. That's a very good point. <laughs> that, that, yeah, he did. That's that's Aprovium coming really out of your is. ears. That is that's uh, yeah. That was me thinking. No, nothing. There's no crazy here. It's like, oh no, hang on. He gave the empire away. In a very almost flippant way. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's yeah fine. fine. Whatever. Yeah. He's thinking short term. He's not a long. He's, he's not he's thinking really, big, really the not. big picture. So now I'm thinking he deserves a lot of points in this round. I think you might be right. No one sold the empire before. People mm. have bought the empire. <laughs> yeah, people have tried to. Didius, bless him. Yeah, people have tried to buy <laughs> and sell the office of emperor, but. I mean, uh, the actual empire. Yeah, including the church. I mean, yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's... All of a sudden, he's getting points in this round, and quite a few of them. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm not going to give him full marks, because I need some personal crazy in there, but he's not got... Um, but I'm, I'm going to go for seven for selling the empire. I was, I was going to say eight, because I think, you know, he sold he sold a bloody empire. He did, didn't he? Yeah. I'm going for eight. Yeah. You're sticking at seven? Yeah, I'll stick with seven. Okay, so that's a total of 15. It's doing well. <laughs> it's doing well. Success, Success ultimate. Is this when we finally break into minus numbers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, zero. It's definitely zero. Yeah. Tempted to give it minus 10. <laughs> yeah, zero. Uh, you're right. We can't, we, uh, we can't uh, break the format in the last... <laughs> we've Last only got third of the... we've only got 15 episodes left 
so we really oh. can't we can't break the format now no. can we you're right zero but it is a hard zero i'm gonna put it in bold on this card <laughs> seriously zero i mean this do it squared zero squared yeah yeah zero all the zeros 0. <laughs> 0.00 recurring oh all the zeros yeah so i'd say i was harsh but appropriate no, no. i mean how how else can we make it more zero i don't know uh, so next image of there you go. I'm sitting out. Hang on. Give me a second. Looking and... Oh! He is a spotty kid. He is. They, they, whoever drew this really made sure to spend some time putting some acne on that face. <laughs> okay, quick. Now, me and my wife were watching Mad Men. Have you right. watched Mad Men? Uh, I think I've seen the first series a few years ago. Okay, so there's a character in Mad Men... Uh, Pete Campbell. It's got his name. Pete Campbell. He reminds me of Pete Campbell. He's the annoying one who... Um, oh, I uh, think I know who you mean, actually. Yeah. The little snotty one. Yeah. Rich yeah, daddy. Yeah, yeah. That. He, oh. the, the image reminds me of him. Yeah. It's dislikable. It is. It's not. It's it's really quite unpleasant. It is. It's, it's, and it's, it's not good. He just... It, it looks like a face that you don't want to be near. And that's not fair, because I feel like if... You know, in, in real life, you'd feel bad for yourself for saying that, but he was so crap that, you know, he was. He's enough. also, quite clearly, just standing in a pool of water. Oh, he is, yes. <laughs> he's, he's he's hiding in the barrel. This is yeah, Yes, this is him in this barrel. <laughs> action shot. I should probably explain for people who haven't seen it, but this is the image you find on Wikipedia, so look it up there. Um, but the artist tried yeah. to do the bottom of... His shoulders, he's put some detail there that just looks like ripples. So it looks like yeah. he's standing in a pool of water. I, I don't like it. I really don't like it. And I know we are biased. Uh, we sometimes give emperors that aren't very good no points in this round just because we don't like yeah. them. But I think this justifies a zero. This is a, I think this justifies it, yeah. This is... It is a bad image. Awful. It is awful. Yeah, it is awful. Right, nothing. Zero. Temple completed. Okay, and uh, how long does he last? I'm guessing not long. I'm thinking like either months or a year or maybe two years. That's my sort uh, of... August 12.03 to January 12.04. <laughs> Less than a year. <laughs> yeah, we're, well, let's just call that half a year, shall we, for simplicity's sake. Uh, so that is 0. 0.06 for this <laughs> round. Uh, <laughs> I love a point zero. I love the when you go into the hundredths. <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful. Oh, I, I, I thought we were going to have a, a comically low score here, but I mean, he, he gets all those points for um, yeah. selling the empire. So, so what is his score? Fifteen point zero six. Which uh, I'm, sh I'm sure he'd be very pleased with that, considering how he is arguably the worst emperor in all of Roman history. Yeah, he's probably. He's winning. I I cannot in think in his own head. I cannot think of a worse emperor than than this kid. I remember how no back way back in the day we talked about how Commodus managed to get an empire that was riding through a golden age and just turned it and ran it into a brick wall. This is worse. I mean, By the, far. the empire wasn't doing well, but he gave it away. Yeah. So, Genesis, do they have a certain 
Je ne sais pas. Do you know what? I almost want to give it to him because, because he he's sold so, Empire. He's so bad. Yeah, and but that's something you want to tell somebody. He's like, this guy, <laughs> he sold yeah, the bloody Empire. There they is... had an Empire. He sold it he gave for it away. nothing. He, he just gave it away. Yeah. Um, it is tempting, isn't it? I mean, it's... Uh... And in the chariot race, he'll get decapitated in the first 30 seconds. <laughs> yes, he will. He won't even leave the starting line. Um, because I'm sort of tempted. Gene César is not, are they a good emperor? No. It is, would you talk about him? Hmm. Um, I'll talk about him. He's shocking. I think he's, he's one that's going to stick in the memory, isn't he? Oh, yes. He's in the old memory banks. Yeah. But I don't know. Can he actually get a Gene César? Because apart from the hiding, apart from hiding in the barrel, he doesn't actually really do anything interesting apart from hiding in he the barrel. He sold the empire. Selling the empire. No one's done that before. That is unique. That is special. That well, it's not I wouldn't say special, but it's 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 a big thing. That's like groundbreakingly stupid. I think he should have it just for that. I really do. I suppose Didius Julianus got it eventually, didn't he? Yeah. For buying the Empire. So if you get it for buying the Empire, maybe yeah. you should get it for selling <laughs> yeah. the Empire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, you know what? Screw it, it's our podcast. Let's do it. Let's... Yes! <laughs> Just so we can see him be decapitated in the chariot race at the end. I think that's a great idea. He is not getting it for any good reason whatsoever. He is getting it because... He is the worst. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> there are listeners in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. Well done, Alexios Four. <laughs> we mean that the most pitying way possible. You have Gene César, apparently. <laughs> You're on a level with Augustus. Nero didn't get it. No, <laughs> I'm still annoyed at that. Yeah, I'm not surprised. He was robbed. I agree, he was robbed. <laughs> but there, there you go, that is uh, the end of the Angelos dynasty. Mm. They, they... Oh, it's the, the end. Are we not having another episode for Isaac too? <laughs> no, no. You, you got <laughs> Isaac too, who was just a bit rubbish. Then you had Alexios three, who was downright awful. And then you had Alexios four, who was literally the worst emperor in history. It's, it's not a good dynasty, is it? They, they haven't shined, let's, no. let's say that. Yeah. I mean, next we've got Alexios V Ducas, who kind of gets uh, lumped in with the, the Angelos dynasty, uh, just because he's he's there at the end. Uh, but no. Then we then we have our Lascarid dynasty and our Paleologus dynasty, and then that's it. 15 episodes. That is wow. cool. But how, how have we got 15 episodes if the Empire's fallen? I hear you all ask. Well... You'll have to tune in to find out. Yes, you yeah. will. Right, thank you very much for listening. Yep. Uh, and thank you for downloading some Podbean, iTunes and Stitcher and Amazon Prime and the other one. What's the other one? Spotify. Yes. From that as well. And uh, thank you to all our Senate members who are helping out. Um, I've released some, a lot, or all of uh, the Roman <laughs> Republic back catalogue yeah. into our Patreon. Uh, I don't know how much we are recording <clears throat> this episode quite a bit in advance of releasing it, yeah. which is very unusual for us. So I can't give you the facts, but there's going to be some up there, if not all of them. And, and if, you, if you fancy being a Senate member, you can uh, donate money to us via uh, Podbean or via Patreon. If you do it via Patreon, you get our American episodes as well. 
and also a special bonus extra, which we were not going to tell you about. The only way you will know is by joining the Senate. Are we doing it? Are we, we going to do it? Do what? The thing we're not, you're not mentioning. Well, we're going to do it, but I'm not. I'm going to say what it is. Cool. Okay. <laughs> it's just, Wait. I mean, I know we talked about it, but is this you saying, yes, I'm actually going to do this? Go on, just say yes, Jamie. You're committing. Yes, I'm going to do it. You're going to do it. Screw gonna it. Do I'm going to cool. do it. I'm going to do it. Cool. cool. Live for our Patreon members. <laughs> uh, cool. So, John. Pain is just a feeling. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's not really a thing. It's uh, abstract. Yeah, exactly. Pain goes away. Um, so join the Senate if you want to know what Jamie's talking about. Uh, pain's <laughs> not actually involved, uh, don't worry. Um, anyway, uh, so thank you very much for listening. And all that needs to be said is... Why are you wearing red? Goodbye. Goodbye. So, Ricardo, what do you think? Is he? Is he really? Keep your voice down. He's not that far away. You know what they say about people who can't see? What do they say? Shush, shush, Mercutio, shush. No, no, but no, well, what yeah. I heard, right, what I heard, he's not really blind. Do you think he isn't? No, apparently, Jeffio, the, the idiot. Day, yeah, the idiot, he walked into the room and uh, Enrico was juggling. Juggling? Fl- flaming torches, said Jeffio. Eight of them. Eight? Whilst dictating a letter. I, I think he's having us on. Should we test it? What? How, how do you test it? Right, hold this grape in your hand. What, uh, okay. Right. Yeah. Throw it at him. Are you having me on? No, throw it. Just do it. You want me to throw a grape? I'll give you... At the Doge of Venice. I will wash your wagon for a week if you throw it at him. I don't know what you do with your wagon. What, you'll wash my wagon? Yes. Even for, the for a week. Oh, but what does that mean? Like, you're going to do it every day for a week? Or, I mean, how, how, how does this... Every day. I know what you do with it. It, it, it doesn't... Oh, okay. Fine, fine, okay. Uh, I'm not doing it now because he's looking this way. Oh, no, no, of course, that's what we're... Um, okay, Guys, go it. for it. it. Throw it, 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 throw it. Oh, my God, he caught it. He wasn't even looking this way. No. But he is now. I can't look. I can't look. Is he looking? I, I, I don't know. He's looking, isn't he? He might be looking. He's pointing at us. Hi! Hey! <laughs> Yo, Doge! <laughs> oh, we're dead.